Hey guys, welcome back to Ministry of the Feet. And in this video, I'm, I'm really looking forward to going through the whole gospel with you. The whole gospel. And I don't know about your experiences uh, growing up, but for me growing up in the church, um, you know, I, I, I realized later in life that I was only ever really taught one quarter of the gospel. And there's four quarters to the gospel. There's four major parts to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And growing up in the church, I really only got one of them. And so I'm excited to go through uh, the, the, the whole gospel with you guys. And what I'm going to share with you is all over the Bible. It's all over the scriptures. And so if you want to um, uh, see kind of more of where I'm getting this from, then, then uh, make send me a comment or, you know, if you have a question, you can just say, well, hey, like, where did you get this or where does that come from? I have so many scriptures that I looked at. To be honest, I made like nine pages of notes, guys. And I just felt the Lord's just like, it's in your heart. Just go. Otherwise, it'll get too complicated. So I do have all the scriptural references. I'll put up uh, as many as I can um, on the screen as I'm talking. And so you'll see at least the address for them so you can look them up for your for yourselves but the first quarter of the gospel that that I was always taught uh, is that Christ died for my sins um, and that I'm uh, you know a sinner I'm saved by grace and I need to make this confession to Jesus that I believe in him that he came as the only begotten of the Father uh, and he came as a perfect sacrifice to forgive me for all my sin and absolutely true I believe that 100% but that's the only like the first quarter of the gospel. And in fact, if I could be honest, it's only even half of that quarter uh, because there's a whole other side to the power of sin being broken that we often don't talk about. And I'm going to get into that as well. But before I do, I just want to give you an overview of, of what I'm going to be going through with you so you can kind of see a visual, a picture of it, a visual picture of it. I'm a visual learner. It just helps me out big time. So again, there's four major parts to the gospel. I'm going to break each one down for you as simply and as thoroughly as I can. You know, if I could be really honest, this video could be like a few hours, um, but I'm gonna try to keep it as short as possible, just so as many people can see it, so they can hear the gospel. Um, but I think I'll be I'll be mining the depths and the and the profoundness of the gospel for the rest of my days. It, the riches uh, that are inside of it are are un. It's not that they're unsearchable. It's just not possible to find them all in one lifetime. There is so much power and beauty that is found through what Christ has done for us that I will spend the rest of my days uh, mining and digging for all of its treasures. And I know I'll still come up short in the end, but I'm going to do my best to find as many as I can. So I'm just saying that because it, it's there's so much to it. But I just want to make this simple and as, and like I said, as thorough as I can. So here's the picture I want to show you. Uh, this is the whole gospel, guys, and the, and you can see how it's broken down into two halves and then and then four quarters. So the first half is the the death of Jesus and the burial of Jesus. So the crucifixion and the burial. The second half and the last half, which is broken into another two quarters, is the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ. And so going back to the beginning, the first quarter, this is where Christ died for me. And he absolutely broke the power of sin completely. He broke the power of sin and he removed it as far as the east is from the west. He remembers it no more, um, you know, as we come to him and repent, of course. Uh, but the, the, the second half um, or the next quarter is how Christ died as me. This is where selfishness and self and the sin nature that's inside of us that came through the fall of man is dealt with and destroyed. So not only is, is sin dealt with, 
But the nature of sin inside of me, the human heart, the human condition has also been dealt with. And then we move to the second half, and in the first quarter of that half, we see that there's the, now there's a new life in Christ, that Christ now lives in me. He's given me a new nature. Like Peter says, I am now a partaker of his divine nature. And so um, there's the life of Christ in me, and that leads to the final quarter, uh, which, is, which is becoming love, that Christ now lives through me. Today, now, he lives through me. So Christ died for me and Christ died as me. Christ lives in me and Christ lives through me. So this is the whole message of the gospel. And it's important because a deficient gospel results in a hybrid gospel. And that's one that's mixed with human wisdom and it actually negates the power of the cross. And honestly, guys, Satan is obsessed with reducing the gospel in any way possible in order to diminish its power. He does this through empty religion, popular philosophies, self-help remedies, etc. And you can see that he'll do it. If he can only get you buying into one quarter of the gospel, look at the other three quarters that you're missing out on. Look how powerful it would be uh, for him to take out most of the gospel so that you're, you're, you're just living in a fraction uh, of what Christ paid for. That's like a massive goal for him. But anything that will empty the cross of its power to transform someone's life is a really big problem because it is only the pure gospel that produces pure results. And it's only the whole gospel that releases the whole power of God for the whole Christian life. I'm going to say that again. It's only the whole gospel that releases the whole power of God for the whole Christian life, which is why it's so important in the church we get back to preaching the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of the gospel, because that's what the Holy Spirit comes to bear witness to and will back up our preaching with signs, wonders, miracles, and changed and transformed lives, which is the goal. And so... Um, you know, I'm just going to give this overview, okay? That in the beginning, God created man and woman in his image, male and female in his image. And so God, it says in 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. Again, love is not just something God does. It's the essence and the nature of who he is. And so he made Adam and Eve in the image of love. They were, they were in the image of love. They loved perfectly like the Father loves perfectly. And, you know, it's funny because... Uh, you cannot have love without free will. You can't. It's impossible. You have to be able to choose love. It's not mechanical. And so God had to put a tree in the midst of the garden, just one. He just put one tree. He didn't put 10 trees or a thousand trees. He put one tree that they couldn't eat from and thousands that they could eat from, including the tree of life. It wasn't just the tree of life they could eat from. He put thousands of, of uh, trees in the garden for them to eat from, all the fruit-bearing trees. And uh, he just takes this one that says, guys, just don't eat this one. And he did that because he love always gives the choice to love. And love must have a choice if it's going to be true love. And so he had to give his creation the option to choose God like he chose them. He has to give the option. That's why the tree's there. And what was so kind about God is that when they did eat the tree, he cast them out of the garden. That was so kind of God. He threw them out of the garden. Why did he have to do that? Because if he didn't, they would have kept eating from the tree of life and they would have been stuck in this sin state 
forever. Humanity would have been stuck in that state because they'd be partaking of everlasting life from the tree of life, and they would be stuck in with, with that sin nature and the fall of man, which would be which they wouldn't be able to break out of. And so he has to kick them out of the garden so they so they don't eat that tree anymore. And if we look through Scripture, we see that Jesus is the tree of life. But he's like, I cannot give you eternal life because you'll be, I'll be giving you e- e- basically like eternal hell almost. Like you'll be stuck in this sin, in this sin state. And so it was very kind of God to kick them out. But you'll notice that when when Adam and Eve partook of that tree, perfect love became perfect selfishness. And so Adam and Eve are hiding. They got fig leaves covering themselves because they're ashamed. When was it before they weren't? Before they were God conscious, not self conscious. As soon as they took that tree and, be, and partook of the fall of man, they became self conscious and they were no longer God conscious. And now when God comes to confront them, Adam says, No, God, it's your fault. It's the woman you gave me. And the woman says, No, God, it's the snake you made. It's all your fault, God. This is your fault. The blame shifting, the fault finding, the hurt, the offense the rah can just you know save me myself and I even if it's at the cost of you as long as I get mine and you know the the self-justification and victim mentality and just the fall of man uh, was 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 what took place and we, we didn't look anything like our dad didn't look anything like our father and so now whenever somebody's born Adam and Eve, after that moment, produced after their own kind. And so we're no longer sons and daughters of God. We were sons and daughters of Adam. And we have the nature like our dad now, the nature of Adam. And it's real important to understand because everyone's been born into that. You know, even you wonder like little little kids uh, when they're like two years old and they're like the sweetest things, but then all of a sudden they have this ability to like, no, mine, give me, and they steal a toy or they freak out and rage when they don't get the food the exact moment that they want it. <clears throat> and it's like nobody taught them that. Nobody taught them how to be selfish like that. It came through the fall of man. And this is why you must be born again. And so, you know, it's not just a Christian catchphrase being born again. No, it's real, where God has dealt with that sin nature, and he now causes us uh, to become like Christ again, to become like God again, where we're no longer sons and daughters of Adam. We're sons and daughters of God, a brand new nature where we look just like our dad. And now that gets worked out in us as we walk out our Christian journey. That's what the walking with the Holy Spirit is all about. But I just want you to see that that we are called to be absolutely free uh, from sin and from the nature that came from the fall of man. We can be free from it. This is why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Not some things, not a few things. All things have become new, and we have become a new creation, created according to God and His likeness. Not like Adam's likeness, like God's likeness. We are a new creation. And so, uh, you know, it's interesting in Matthew 18, 11, it says that Jesus came to save that which was lost, not who was lost, that which was lost. And through the fall of man, we lost our image. We lost looking like our dad in heaven. 
we lost that. We, we now look like our fallen father, Adam. And God, Jesus says, I came to save that which was lost. I came to restore you. I came to bring back, I came to buy you back and make you sons and daughters of God again, no longer sons and daughters of Adam. I've made it possible. And not only have I made it possible, but I've made it possible on this side of eternity, right here and now. And we're going to get into that. And so the other beautiful thing about the cross that I, I didn't hear growing up, which is so obvious to me now, but Jesus didn't just come to die for your to die for your sins. Uh, that's not all that he did. It's massive. It's a huge part. But he also came to reveal our value, to reveal our value, guys. You don't pay the highest price for something that's worthless. You pay the highest price for something of incredible value. And heaven, some people say, you know, like heaven went bankrupt sending Jesus because of the value of our lives. He says, hey, when you were lost in sin, when you were yet a sinner, Christ came to die for the ungodly. And when you were on your worst day and I saw and I saw you, I, I never lost sight of who you were. Even when you lost sight, I've never lost sight of your value, your destiny, your potential. And I'm coming back to buy my kids. And so I'm going to absolutely redeem you and forgive you and restore relationship with the Father where the judgment of God is going to be satisfied and the mercy and compassion of God is going to be satisfied and that's what we have in the cross both the judgment of God being satisfied and the mercy and compassion of God being satisfied in sending his son it's this beautiful thing and so here I'm just going to break down real quick the, the four quarters of the gospel so the first one I've already kind of touched was is that which is that Christ died for you so the power of sin is broken the the blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins the body broken for the effects of that sin and so it's important to see that not only has God absolutely dealt with every single sin I've ever committed when I come to him and I'm repentant and I want a new heart and a new mind and a new life and I if I could go back and redo those bad things and, and not do them I would go back and not do them. I have changed. I have been transformed. I no longer want that. I have uh, this this new heart uh, within me, and so you know that's that's part of the uh, the the promise that God would give us that new heart, and He has, and that's part of that repentance where I'm changing the way that I think, and so that's that's important that I have that repentance and that I I want what He paid for, but in that I am completely washed and forgiven. I am completely cleansed of all of my sin, and I'm I am I am made to be spotless before the Lord. It's Colossians 1, holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Now, now, if indeed, here's the if, I continue in the faith. I continue to believe it's true and that he's done it and that he's paid for it and my righteousness is from him, not from my works, but by faith in him that he has made me righteous. And so my, the, the, the effects of the sin that I've done have been forgiven. But here's the other uh, part of the first quarter of the gospel that we often miss, is that it's also the sin that's been committed against me. The power of the sin against me from others is also broken. It's broken. So I don't have to be, there's no room for me to be a victim, uh, for me to be hurt and offended. I have every right to be healed, never to be hurt in that sense. I want to hurt for people, not because of people. And so all the sin committed against me, its, it's power has been broken. So I'm called to forgive now, just like Christ forgave me. In fact, Jesus takes this so seriously that he says, if you don't forgive other people, then you won't be forgiven. 
It's a really strong statement. Um, so God's in this is saying, hey, I don't want you just to receive forgiveness. I want you to become forgiveness. And so that's what that's the power of sin being absolutely broken. He's removed it as far as the east is from the west. I can be absolutely healed, made whole, kept safe and sound, and totally delivered. That's what the word salvation means. It's sozo. It means healed, saved, delivered, protected, kept safe and sound. Uh, and a few others, but that's basically the gist of it. That, and that's for now, in this lifetime. So sin's been dealt with. That's the first quarter. The second quarter is that Christ died as me. That's where selfishness and the sin nature is dealt with. That the old man was crucified with Christ. The old man being that sin nature, that I should no longer walk according to the di dictates of the flesh, but I should walk in the newness of life. This is all in the Bible. I should walk in the newness of the Spirit. Read Romans 8. It's all about life in the Spirit, how we are called to no longer be carnally minded, but to be spiritually minded. For those who are carnally minded have their minds on death, but those who are spiritually minded have life and peace. And so and then in Ephesians, it says to put off your old man, your old conduct, that old sin nature. You put it off. How? By receiving and believing that Jesus died as you on the cross and has now put his nature on the inside of of you. This is why Jesus says, call no man on earth your father. Call no man on earth your father. It's, he is not saying that I can't call my dad on earth dad. The word father there literally means to come forth from. Jesus is saying, hey, I have come and made the way. No longer have you come forth from any man on the earth. You've now come forth from the Father. You are now children of the living God again because I'm going to the cross and I'm going to get resurrected from it. And that's why I'm saying don't call anybody your father because no longer have you come forth from a son of Adam. You've now come forth from the Son of God to become a child of God. That's why he says call no man on earth your father. And so that's important because it's this new nature that we have. So Christ died as me. This is why he says that we should no longer live for ourselves, but the one who died for us. We should live for Christ. Um, and, and that we are partakers of his divine nature, like I already said. And so his Holy Spirit comes in us and begins to transform us and to change us. So Galatians 5.24 says that those who are Christ have crucified their flesh with its evil passions and desires. They, they've been crucified with Christ. That evil, wicked sin nature has been crucified with Christ. God deprived that, that of, of power. This doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to still sin. You absolutely have the ability to. But the power of sin has been removed from the inside of you so you, you no longer uh, are under it as a slave. Like Romans 6 says, we're no longer slaves of sin. We should now be slaves of righteousness. I'm not going to be sin conscious. I want to be righteous conscience. I want to be God conscious again, not self conscious again. And I want all my faith in him that he is going to give me his divine nature and make me walk in his righteousness. And I will live a righteous life practically, spiritually, physically, emotionally, motive-wise, I'll live a pure and holy life because he said that I can. And he's put that new nature inside of me. And I'm going to be growing in that, which is why Paul writes, um, uh, and he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, he says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. 
do not sin, which means it's absolutely possible not to sin. The Bible tells us that in numerous places. I don't have time to get into it. It's a whole other video of how we can be absolutely free from sin. I am not claiming to be there yet, but I am way better than I used to be, and I will get to where I'm going because Jesus is Lord. And you know, the Lord actually confronted me when I was when I was learning this, and I was going through the Word, and I was just like, you can be free from sin. Like the you, the Bible is so clear and I never believed it, so I never saw it. But now that I believe it, I see it everywhere that we are called to be totally free from sin. We're not sinners anymore. We are absolute saints that have been saved by grace. We were sinners and we all have sinned. But remember, Paul doesn't write to the sinners of the New Testament. He writes to the saints, to the saints of this church, to the saints of that church. That's our identity. Why are we so identifying ourselves through the fall of man when God has delivered us from the fall of man and made us children of God again? Why aren't we identifying ourselves with the one that we came from, which is the Father? Why aren't we looking more like him than anything else? Why would we go back and want to look more like Adam when we can look just like our dad? That's the invitation. But if we don't believe this, then of course we'll be what we experience because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Jesus said to the blind man, become what you believe. This is why the enemy has so attacked what we believe. Because if he can get us just believing that Jesus just died for my sins and then left me a forgiven sinner, I'll be missing out on a massive portion of the power of God and of the power of the gospel, not only in my life, but how I affect other people in sharing the gospel with them as well. Because I'll share with them my gospel instead of his gospel. And his gospel is whole and complete. Nothing is left undone. And God challenged me with this once when I walked into my kitchen and he asked me a question. Because I, I was thinking that I had to die and go to heaven to be free from sin. Um, to be totally free from sin. And the Lord confronted me and, and the Father asked me this when I was walking in the kitchen. He said, if you have to physically die uh, and go to heaven to be free from sin, then whose death is more powerful, yours or Christ's? Yours or Christ's? Whose death is more powerful? And I was just like, whoa, that's that's a good question. And I realized that that uh, to, to believe that I have to be free from sin uh, or that I have to die to be free from sin makes my death more powerful than Christ, and that is not this. That is not the truth, my friend. Christ's death is way more powerful than mine. So we can be free now, which is why Paul is saying, "Wake up! Wake up to righteousness! Wake up to what He's paid for! Wake up to your identity in Christ, and do not sin, because you're no longer." supposed to identify as that. You're supposed to identify as his son, not Adam's son, and you should look just like your dad. There's no sin in him. There should be none in you because he's come to live inside of you and empower you by grace to walk that out. So is this a journey? Yes. This gets to the second half of the gospel. This is now the Christian life and the Christian experience. So this is the, the Christian life. And Paul says in Galatians 4.19, my little children for whom I labor with birth pains until Christ is formed in you. Until Christ is formed in you. So this is the third quarter of the gospel, that Christ now lives in you. He lives in you. And this is a process and a journey, and it's only possible by fellowship and relationship with Holy Spirit. That Christ now lives in me, and uh, that is going to affect my, my nature. He is going to refine me. He is going to change me. He is going to transform me. He's going to give me a new mind. He's going to, give, he's going to cause my emotions, my mind, my will, 
of my spirit. He's going to cause me to look like him. He is going to mold me into the very image of Christ so I look just like him. That's his goal and his objective. Now, it is still up to me as to how much I'm going to yield to that. How much am I going to seek him? Am I going to be humble? Am I going to ask him to search me and know me? When he brings up stuff in my heart and he's poking at the motive of something I'm doing, am I going to be yielded to him and repentant to him and ask him to remove that thing from me and to refine my heart and give me new motives and and uh, and, and pure motives and a pure heart, right? We need to cry out for that pure heart. But Christ is now living in me to do this work inside of me. A lot of Christians, and this is what Paul does, he goes after the Galatians because this happens to a lot of Christians. They start out in the Spirit. They start out with Holy Spirit. They start out in relationship with Him. But later in their Christian life, they try to perfect themselves through their own self-effort through their own self-effort and that is exhausting and it's really discouraging. And so it's not about you trying harder. It's about you believing better. And what I mean by that is that it's about you believing that Jesus will finish the work in you. It's Philippians 1 that he will finish the work he began in you. He is faithful to finish the work that he started in you. And so I remember when I was um, uh, trying to quit doing something, I can't remember what it was, but I I was having a hard time with it. And I, I felt like the Lord said to me, he said, you know, like what I just said, he said, instead of uh, trying harder, like trying to quit harder, why don't you just believe better? Believe that I'll do it. Release your desire and your faith that I will transform your heart and I will do it in you and thank me that I'll do it in you and just receive my work by faith. And so I did that and I have never gotten over something so quickly. I never had victory so quickly when I, when I switched it from me trying hard to me just asking God to do it and believing that he would no matter what it looked like. The victory was so much faster. I was amazed. And so this isn't just a theory. This is actually something our lives live out where Christ lives in me now. And there's so much beauty and hope in that because he's going to form himself in me and mold himself in me. And so Jesus is very concerned about heaven coming back on the inside of us now. We've been so concerned about going to heaven and he's so concerned about heaven coming back inside of us. That's why I said the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. It's inside of you. And so again, we should look very different from the world. We should be responding very differently. Like Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, to its mindsets, its thoughts, its opinions, its perspectives, its reactions. No, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, thinking like you've never thought before. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so again, this is that Christ in me. He's working in me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory, right? And so my insides are changing and it's a really powerful thing. And that leads into the next thing, which is that Christ now lives through me. And again, this is a massive part of the gospel we have to understand because this is about becoming love. And I could do a whole nother video on this because I've noticed that most Christians don't have a clue, don't have a clue what it means to love. And I'm still growing in this myself. I'm not saying I have all this all this figured out. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that I have learned through the gospel and through the Jesus's life and through Corinthians 13, uh, what love is. And it's like, man, if this is the definition of love, and if this is how you've loved us, God, we are quite bankrupt of love on the earth and even in the church. We have this starry-eyed Hollywood version of love, which is like, I love you if you love me, right? But the moment you're not treating me right, the moment you, we, you, you offend me or hurt me, now I got my back up against the wall and I got issues with you, man. Well, God was never like that with you, so why would we be like that with people? 
if what you're saying and what you're thinking and what you're doing sounds foolish or silly coming from God, it should sound just as foolish and silly coming from you because you're made in his image and you're made to shine and he's now inside of you and he wants to shine through you. So we're not responding like those who don't know God. We're responding like Christ because he's inside of us. And so that's the fourth part of the gospel that's so important, that we are growing in becoming love, where we don't keep account of a wrong suffered. We are not seeking our own. We are patient and kind. We're always believing the best about people. We're always believing the best. That's love. Now, you only get that by abiding in Christ. You only become like love when you spend your time with him who is love and let him mold himself in you and let him come inside of you and let him come and father you and teach you and just birth compassion and kindness in you or the fruits of the spirit, to be honest. You know, Jesus says this in John 15, four to five, and then nine to 12. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Wow. The Father loves us just the exact same as he loves loves Jesus. That's amazing to me. The Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you, commit, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you as I have loved you. That's the power of the New Testament. Old Testament was love your neighbor as yourself. Love as best as man can. New Testament, love people just like God does. Just like God does. Love them as I have loved you. That's only possible because love came back inside of us again, came to live through us and to shine. And so that's just a a beautiful, powerful thing. But notice he talks about fruit and bearing much fruit. Well, where else do we see the language of fruit? Remember, God's the author of the word. He wrote it all. And so he's being very specific and intentional about his wording. He's talking about bearing fruit if you are remain in Jesus. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, the very first fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, and self-control. There you go. Uh, all nine. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. So that's all about our character, guys. That's all about our hearts. It's not about full vats and barns. It's about what we're becoming. It's about our attitudes, our opinions, our perspectives, and how we're laying down our lives to love those in front of us and to love uh, the people around us and to be Christ-like towards them. And so that's why it's so important to abide relationally in Jesus. You know, one of my favorite verses uh, Paul writes is the very the very last verse of 2 Corinthians. And if you look at 1 and 2 Corinthians, they're really long. Uh, they're, they're, it's quite long epistles. And Paul has a ton to say, but he wraps it up in the very last verse of 2 Corinthians. And he says, uh, The love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that's how he ends. And I love it because those are the, that's it. That's it. That It's it right there. The love of the Father. The love of God. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is empowering, empowering me to do that which I could not do on my own. It's empowering me to be transformed. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the communion or fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with you all. If I'm fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, that means I have relation. <clears throat> that means, excuse me, I have relationship with Him. That means I have relationship with Him. That means that I'm fellowshipping. I'm talking to Him. We have a relationship. I say good morning. I say good night. I talk to Him. I pray to Him, and I ask Him to form me and mold me. And I have questions, and we talk. And there's a relationship there that's real and alive. And out of that, I am bearing much fruit and Christ's love is coming through me because his nature is overtaking me and I'm becoming just like my dad. And you know, it's why uh, in First uh, Timothy 1.5, uh, Paul sums it all up and he says, the whole goal of our instruction, guys, the whole goal of our instruction is love out of a pure heart and sincere faith. He just wrapped it up right there. That's the whole goal. And so that's the fourth quarter of the gospel is becoming love and God's kind of love, that agape love, not just, you know, Hollywood cheap love where it's only doing as good as it's being treated. No, it's this, this kind of love is, is, it never fails. It's like, it's the most powerful force on the planet. And that's the kind of love that God wants us to become as we walk with him. And so the, the second half of the gospel is all about the Christian experience now. And I just want to show you this picture to wrap it up real quickly so you can, so you can see it um, uh, in, as, again as another visual. So the first, half of the, the first half of the gospel versus the second half of the gospel. So here's the first half. The old has gone, the new has come. I died in Christ, I was raised in Christ. I'm dead to sin, I'm alive to God. It's me in Christ and now Christ in me. The finished work of the cross and now the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. My position in Christ and now my experience in Christ. I'm saved by grace and now I'm living by grace. And the key phrase of the first half is he died once for all. And the key phrase of the second half is I live through him and in him every day. And so that's the, that's the whole gospel, guys, that Christ died for you, Christ died as you. Christ now lives in you, Christ lives through you. And if we don't have the whole gospel, we won't have the whole power of God to live out the whole Christian life. And so be blessed, guys, be encouraged. I have an absolute whack load of scriptures uh, that I could send to you if, if you need more, but I am encouraging you, read Romans 4 to 8, okay? Read Romans 4 to 8. And, and see um, that uh, this is just so clear that we can be absolutely free from sin and don't let Romans 7 mess you up because a lot of people quote, well, what about Romans 7 where Paul says, I do the things I don't wanna do and if it's not me, it's, that's doing it and then it's sin living in me and if it's sin living in me, then you know, it just kinda of goes off. But he ends Romans 7 by saying, uh, uh, who will deliver me from this body of death? He's talking about the old man in Romans 7. He's saying, this is what it was like under the law. This is what it was like apart from Christ. Then he says, who will deliver me from this body of death, this old man, this sin nature? And he ends Romans 7 by saying, thanks be to our God through Jesus Christ. He's delivered me. And then all of Romans 8 is how you're free from sin and living in the spirit. And so... Uh, it's just, it's, it's all throughout the word. Um, uh, it's in Ephesians, it's in Colossians, Colossians 1, read Colossians 1, that, where it says, then you uh, who once were alienated and, and wicked uh, from the Lord, you were alienated and, and in wicked works, you departed from the Lord, yet now, now he has reconciled in his body through death 
to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. That's so powerful because that's, that's for now today. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 5.23 says that he will present us blameless, body, soul, and spirit at the coming of, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. If it's possible to be presented blameless, then where's the sin? Body, soul, and spirit, our whole tripart being, it's absolutely possible. And so uh, I just want to encourage you guys. There is so much more to the gospel. It is so powerful. It's so beautiful. God stepped into all our brokenness, and he didn't just remove the broken glass. He remade the image, and now we look just like our dad again if we continue in the faith and aren't moved away from the hope of the gospel and put all our chips on the Holy Spirit being the one who will transform us as we walk with him. And so bless you guys. Please, if you have any uh, questions or comments, uh, leave them at the bottom. If you want any verses or, or have any questions, well, how did I get to that conclusion based on what I said? Um, as I said before, I, I, I had nine pages of scriptures and I just would lose you if I read them all out. But um, if you want any more, uh, please let me know. But get into the word, guys. This is everywhere in the word. It's very, it's actually very clear. I'm shocked I missed it for as long as I did, but I'm grateful I get it now and I, and I am excited to continue to share it. So be encouraged, be blessed. The whole gospel is beautiful and amazing and we all can walk in its full effects because Jesus said we can and he empowered us by his Holy Ghost to do so. So bless you guys. We'll see you in the next video.